Hello everyone, welcome to yet another episode of Sweet Talk with Honey and Naya. And given that we are now in December of 2021, last month of the year, I thought it might be kind of fun to look back on this year and this year in wrestling and do a little bit of a year in review. Just a nice little look back on what we thought are our favorite matches or some standout matches, if nothing else. And just kind of have a fun little, you know, reflective period of 2021. And 2021 has been a fairly eventful year in wrestling, at least in my mind. So I, uh, you know, I hope you don't, if I just, you know, segue right into it. Um, the first match that really came to mind for me obviously was a fight at the beginning of the year it was just it was literally right at the top of the year and that is of course the fight pit which seems like seven thousand years ago (laughs) you know like it's like january of 2021 so much has happened between then and now that it's like it's hard to sit there and be like, oh yeah, that was definitely the same year and not in the last decade. But it happened right at the start of the year. I don't remember the exact date that it happened on. Let me find that out. Sometime in January. That's what... <laughs> that's that's all that uh, Google will tell me. Uh... I guess January 20th? Yeah. January 20th. Um, so yeah. It really was. It was first of the year. Right at the jump. And it was just unbelievable. I love that match so much. In part because it jump started uh, Tommaso and Tim being a tag team. As opposed to um, being in a feud. And that obviously became a storyline that was very important to me. Um, And I hope that Tim comes back soon and we can kind of get, like, something, anything with him and Tommaso again. Or can Tim just come back and just have wrestle, please? (laughs) Because I'm getting a little... I'm more than a little antsy. Because my favorite wrestler has just not been there for what feels like seven months now. But the match itself, first off, was, I'd say, even better than the first fight pit. Because I feel like it it was a little bit more creative in terms of how they used the fight pit itself and their environment in the match. And there were just some beautiful spots, like, uh, Tommaso using the referee as a prop to do a, to do a move. It was just, it was beautiful up and down. It was entertaining. I, the only thing I would have changed is I would maybe have given it two more minutes, but it just, it was just such a good special match and it added to the whole like the fight pit is Tim Thatcher's thing which obviously I love and it uh again it storytelling wise 
it was just beautiful because it was that moment where they they switched from being enemies to starting to be partners um and there was a moment at the you know at the end of the match they're just sitting across from each other tim's you know yell talking at him because he doesn't have a you know low volume button and it's just like every time i think about that match i just i can't help but smile because it was just it was excellent wrestling it was excellent storytelling and it led to a tag team that really ended up meaning a lot to me um (laughs) my first match i have kind of sets the precedent for what most of the things that i have um are which is this is just going to become the bianca Belair hour for me because uh, when I think of the year of wrestling of 2021 for the rest of my life, I'm going to think of Bianca Belair. Um, and I think my favorite match of hers this year, I have three listed. But I think my favorite one is the WrestleMania one, obviously, versus Sasha Banks. Um, first of all, um, in terms of like, standout moments and things that happened this year that I feel very honored to have been a part of was the hashtag that got them there. Um, You know, that was a lot of work on part of us as fans. And I think that is something that's so important and that I love about the wrestling community, especially the women's wrestling community, is that when we want something for our girls, we speak up for them. Um, And that got our girls to the main event of WrestleMania. So, and they knocked it out of the park. Um, this match happened the day before my birthday. Um, and I spent it, I made my whole family watch with me. <laughs> I said, I said, if you guys are going to force me to spend time with you on my birthday, then you will watch wrestling. We are going to watch these black women re- main event WrestleMania and we're all going to love it. And they, they did like genuinely nobody else in my family is a wrestling fan, but me and they all were capable of finding like literally split between Bianca and Sasha in <laughs> by the end of the match everybody was cheering for somebody everybody was rooting for someone everybody was engaged in uh you know invested in what was happening without knowing anything which is kind of crazy because you know the the whole build up and everything was something that a lot of fans were dissatisfied while it was happening but in watching the match it just felt like none of that mattered anymore because everything was just so great and Bianca is a phenomenal athlete and a phenomenal wrestler she I said the other day I feel like Bianca Belair is what would you would get if you created a wrestler in a lab she's just <laughs> everything you want out of a wrestler and then Sasha Banks is as well like everything that you want out of a wrestler um but in a completely different way and so you put those two in a ring together of course you're going to get what a lot of people were calling the best Wrestlemania event a main event of all time um obviously that is subjective but it was a really special moment for me as a black woman who wants to be a wrestler who's been watching wrestling since I was eight years old um and it was just also really good quality stuff there were so many fun spots um they really got creative with with bianca's braid which was 
in having been watching Bianca pretty much since the beginning, uh, like when she came on in the May Young Classic, you know, um, she had always used her braid in a specific way in matches, but you know, nobody, none of her opponents have ever really, really gotten outside the box in terms of how they can use her braid in a match. And so that was one of the reasons why I was always excited for her to not only come to the main roster, but to get in a ring with Sasha specifically, because Sasha is just such a ring general that she's going to come up with something and it's going to be something impressive and it's going to be something entertaining. And that she did um, 10 times over. And I just loved everything about this match. Even Bianca winning, which I really was not expecting. I really thought Sasha was going to be retaining there. And it was such a special moment and such a happy thing that I didn't feel like I really cared who won and lost. It was just like, I'm just so happy to be experiencing this right now. Um, Just all of it, like everything... I'm I'm gonna probably say more stuff about Bianca, but like that's kind of my gist of how I feel about that particular match, and that was definitely like match of the year for me. So I also have Bianca and Sasha <laughs> WrestleMania on my list, um, for a couple of reasons, uh, similar to the ones that you listed, and you know it's like I said we were gonna have at least one match that that uh that crossed over. Um, with this match, I remember, I remember getting to, like, two weeks before WrestleMania, and the main event, Banks versus Belair thing was going on, and people were, you know, the people who were supporting it were going hard, the people who were against it were going hard, I remember everyone being like, well... Drew McIntyre deserves his moment in front of people. Bobby Lashley deserves to defend his title in the main event. And I was like, I mean, sure. Yeah. Drew absolutely deserves a big special moment in front of a crowd. Bobby Lashley should get to main event things uh, when he was the champion. But (sighs) you just can't argue that it worked out best the way it did. You know? Because especially... Cause like, let's think about night one at WrestleMania. We had that rain delay. Everyone was going crazy. You know, the wrestlers were getting all manner of just, just nervous and hyped up. And Drew was crying when he had to talk because he was so nervous and so ready. And I'm just like... I I truly don't think you could have switched the two uh, when it came to placement on the card as it ended up because you can't show Drew McIntyre being so hyped up and like literally in tears unable to form a real sentence because he's so ready to get out there. Um, so, I mean, that unscripted promo really helped push this in the right push the whole night in the right direction because you couldn't have done that and then had him go on last you know and that was honestly the story that had been being told with drew this whole time because people act like one of the things that bugs me is that people acted like there was no stories going into why drew and bobby should be on first and why sasha and bianca should main event like people were acting like there was absolutely no context and no reason for that, which is absolutely absurd because there was. 
And those stories where Drew is ready to be back in front of people and Sasha and Bianca have crafted a story of a rookie and a master who have been waiting, who, like, even the master has been waiting to take their place at the top of the mountain, and the top of the mountain is made of ending WrestleMania. So it bugs me that people acted like there was no, like, reason for that. And, like, they, they acted like Sasha and Bianca main eventing would just be pandering to the woke fan base or whatever. Pandering to black people. That's what they thought it would be. Because all of this boiled down to that. Every, no one wants to admit it, but everyone was just like, they just don't want black women or black people main eventing WrestleMania. But, like, you cannot watch that match. I will not believe you if you say that that wasn't the right choice. And another thing that gets me about this match, and just the importance of it, because, I mean, you've already said all that can be said about the wrestling. It was unbelievable. It was stupidly good. I mean, it was just, like, the actual, the quality of the in-ring performance of Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks in this match was beyond phenomenal. I honestly, it should have main evented the second night. I I genuinely believe it it should have been the closer for WrestleMania. The only thing that makes it okay is just because of the long-term story being told with Roman. But uh but it was the best match of WrestleMania and I do think along with another match that we will I'm sure we will talk about later because I think we also both agree on that one uh is absolutely match of the year and I mean you can you can you can throw Daniel Bryan and Kenny Omega and their 30 minute classic that ends in a draw match of the year does not end in a draw I'm drawing that line in the sand right now a match of the year, it's disqualified if it ends in a draw. I'm sorry. It needs to have a finish if it wants to be match of the year. Or, you know, you can throw all these different AEW matches at me and be like, dude, this is a match of the year. This is because it's got this, this, and this, and Dave Meltzer and all that. And it's like, no. No. That's not... That's that's not what makes it match of the year. Because the thing about Bianca and Sasha, at least for me personally... And I mean, sure, maybe PWI or whatever the fuck, or Meltzer or whoever, will be like, this was match of the year, and then have Sasha and Bianca, you know, down at number 55. Um, But for me personally, and we talked about, you know, I've talked about my experience at WrestleMania 35 before. Uh, WrestleMania 35, I left before the main event. The first ever time that women main evented WrestleMania, and I was like, I'm not sticking around for this. Because it was just so... I knew it would be bad, and the entire story leading up to it was bad, and none of it was worthy of a WrestleMania main event. Not a single ounce of it. But then they did this year, with Bianca and Sasha. And... When I heard that it was going... Because, I mean, they held on to that It's Gonna Main Event announcement till the last possible second. The last possible moment, yes. And when <laughs> I heard that, I, it's, I mean, it was just... It was unbelievable. And then when they came out, I am gonna start crying. Sorry, everyone. You're gonna have to deal with that. 
But uh, I was crying when they came out. You know, when they had their stare down moment right at the start of the match. I That's was like, the moment that got me. <laughs> when they, because... I was like, these two bitches better not cry because if they cry, I'm gonna well, cry. Well, Bianca started crying. Bianca started and crying, started and I started emotional. crying. <laughs> I remember saying, I remember saying, I know Sasha's a crybaby. Her ass is probably gonna start crying, and then she started making that face, and then Bianca started making that face, and I was like, no, no, no. And then it just made it even better because Sasha held it in. And Sasha yes. was like, I'm not crying. I am going to do my job. And I was like, consummate fucking professional Sasha Banks. But Which also kind of like added to the story of the match too. With Sasha being the veteran, like her yeah. being able to like pull herself together immediately and Bianca kind of like letting that slip out a little bit. But more. that little bit of but that little bit of real life respect came out too. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't. Where they kind just... of like looked at each other and like the yeah. little nod. <sighs> I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> So am I. I am actively crying at this moment. Um, but it just... And I mentioned this a couple episodes ago. Having grown up... I'm very passionate about women's wrestling. I always have been. Growing up, you know, back when I... At least kind of identified as a girl. Uh, it Even then, women's wrestling was my favorite wrestling. At least if it wasn't Eddie Guerrero or Chris Benoit, my favorite wrestling was the women. Even though it was, you know, the era of, like, Stacey Keebler and Tori Wilson and all those women that people say can't wrestle and can't do anything. So growing up, I mean, the idea of a woman main eventing WrestleMania was unthinkable. It was not anywhere near any kind of conversation that could be happening and so just just the fact that we've gotten to that point and to not only have gotten to that point but to have gotten women's wrestling so respected to the point that people are saying it is one of the greatest Wrestlemania main events of all time is you cannot understate the importance of that within this industry. It's just an unbelievably significant moment. And again, as Michael Cole pointed out, it was the first time that two black women have made a minute WrestleMania. And it just was such a monumental occasion. I mean, what else can you say about it other than that it was just one of the most important moments in wrestling history. Just, I can't think of many other things that have topped that. And, I don't know, I mean, it was just, I really don't think, I mean, like, collectively, I think if you had people vote, it would be up there for match of the year amongst any group of people. Yeah. And actually, speaking of women, uh, I also have the Women's Royal Rumble on here, on my little my little listy do, because uh, I have been disappointed by recent rumbles. Um, I don't even remember off the top of my head who won twenty. Was it Charlotte who won last year for the ladies? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. See, I did not like that. <laughs> I did. And I hated 20, the 2019 Royal Rumbles, both the men and the women, I have tried yeah, to erase just, from my mind. Mm, I hate yeah. both of those. Like, it is rare for me to hate a match, but I hate both of those matches. Um, but, you know, the 2020 Men's Royal Rumble made me really happy for a number of reasons. Uh, but this year, the men's was unbelievably disappointing, but the women's, that was special. There was so much of it. I mean, they obviously, you know, they had the, the handful of legends come in and, and do their thing, and I do love that. I'll pop for a legend, because wasn't this, this was the year that they got Victoria, they got Foxy, I was like, Victoria, Julie, Foxy. Yeah. <laughs> who else was it? Jillian Hall. Yes, they got Jillian Hall. Who? Somebody else, too. I mean, it was just beautiful. It was... The only thing they could do to make this next one better is if they got Melina. Melina, please. Throw us a bone. Yeah. Um, Melina. I think that's the last one, like, people have been begging for. But, uh... I mean, it had all this good, you know, the legend pop moments. I actually... Naomi got to do her thing. Uh, I really did pop for the moment where Rhea Ripley eliminated Alexa Bliss because Alexa was doing her big scary oh, yeah. thing and then Rhea was like nope see you later <laughs> I popped like for crazy honestly I like and I love that, that. <laughs> and I don't even really care for especially at this point I didn't really care for Rhea but like that really popped me too because I was very very nervous that Alexa was gonna win so as soon as she like as soon as that happened I was like it was like okay I can enjoy the rest of this match in peace now <laughs> yes <laughs> I just it cracked me up I was like because especially because Rhea actually yeah. did like wave by afterwards I was like oh my god that's that's how you should react when a weird bitch is being weird. I'm sorry. I That's, like, one of my peeves about, like, Alexa's character is that I feel like in a normal per situation, if someone was acting like that, you would just sit there and watch. Like, Rio's the only person who has reacted realistically to Alexa Bliss. Like, no, don't just stand there and watch her act crazy. Kick her ass in the face. She's three feet tall. Knock her over. Remind me to someday explain why uh, Goldberg beating Bray Wyatt for the Universal title was the right choice. We won't do that today, but in the future. Um, for similar reasons to what you just said. Uh, but it was just, it was a very well-booked Royal Rumble match. Um, this was, you know, back before Billy Kay disappeared into the same forest that Adam Cole and Dean Ambrose have disappeared into real shame about that all these people disappearing into forests um i really liked her role in the in the royal rumble this year uh i thought she did a great job uh shame about her and her ex-tag team partner disappearing into the woods though um and then it uh just a real shame like i said just apps you know just nightmarish uh, so many of them. Daniel Bryan disappeared into the woods. Bronson Reed gone. disappeared into Adam the Cole? woods. Yeah. Off the face of the planet. Crazy how that happens. Alistair Black, he was nice. Buddy Murphy, just just sad. All of them disappeared into the woods. But, uh, 
and then of course it ended with uh with Rhea and uh and Bianca and I don't I've never really liked their interactions in the ring until this and I don't know what was do- it may have just been a good night but it felt different and it was better than a lot of their previous interactions have been in the ring. So I was absolutely just, you know, pumped. Absolutely pumped for that entire Royal Rumble. And then I was incredibly disappointed by the men, which is not the first time that has happened. Um, I didn't put the Rumble on my list, but that was more or less because, like I said, I feel like I wanted to touch base on, like, Bianca Belair's year as a whole because she's just, again, like I said, been the highlight, not A, but the highlight of 2021 for wrestling. But since we're talking about it, um, yeah, it was such a good match, like, just a good rumble. Definitely my favorite since the first women's were a rumble. Um, Because, like you said, it just had such a, good balance of like the returning legends that was like those were fun pops and then like some people from NXT coming and being a part of it I liked um as well as obviously the current girls Naomi coming in at number two was Mm -hmm. a surprise Mm because I figured she was coming back at the rumble but I didn't think they would come bring her out so soon but it was really cool because she got to come out and have like that moment with Bailey which you know that is something that I want to see them revisit in the future. And then Bianca came out third, which was even more exciting because a lot of people have been dying for Naomi and Bianca to get in the ring with each other. And then like that just kind of was like a dream match scenario of Naomi, Bianca, and uh, Bailey because I feel like that would be an awesome match. Um, there was some really cool stuff I, that you didn't mention, like, um, specifically talking to Bianca and Naomi, the moment where they like were cartwheeling with each other around the <laughs> ring, that was really crazy, but also really fun. And just like another reason why you need to let these two wrestle because they're both insanely athletic and I just know they would do the craziest shit in a match and then uh that moment where they were both about to get eliminated they were both like hanging out by their feet and they were kind of fighting each other and then they stop and they're like let's work together to get ourselves back in the ring and so they grab hands and then they just rock themselves back into the ring just some real strong girl shape um that was really fun and it was like i loved seeing both of them talk about that moment because they were like you know it's kind of like a little girl power moment of, you know, where sometimes women will be, like, going at each other and being catty, and then they realize that they can work together and all is right in the world. So I thought that was cute. Um, I feel like I'm missing something else that uh, someone did that was a really cool save. It was oh. seven years ago. It's normal. <laughs> Naomi, I think Naomi, like, grabbed onto Bianca's braid at a point, like, where she was about to get eliminated, and her feet didn't touch the ground and she literally just grabbed Bianca's braid and then just like pulled herself up using Bianca's (laughs) braid um (laughs) that was also a really cool moment just I feel like this rumble was full of a lot of like really fun stuff and it was just enjoyable from start to finish I almost want to say Bianca winning the rumble almost was more emotional for me than the main event and her winning the title not the main event itself but her winning the title like that rumble moment 
because you mentioned like the previous rumbles like last year 2020 i don't remember anything about the 2020 royal rumble except for bianca because i didn't expect her to be in it in the first place and then she came out at number four i want to say um or was it number two alexa came out number one bianca came out at number two and she was the highlight of the entire match she set the she set the elimination record um she just had this amazing showing against people like charlotte and alexa like like i don't care for alexa but they had such good interactions in that match that i feel like i wouldn't mind seeing bianca and alexa have a match against each other um and just all kinds of the Beth Phoenix, all kinds of cool stuff that she did in that match. And I feel like her showing in that match is what set up to people wanting her to win the Royal Rumble this year. Because she was so good at it last year. She was the main thing anybody talked about. And then a lot of people were kind of like, dang, we kind of wanted her to win that. And well, then, it was her and Naomi. <laughs> now. Naomi going her viral. And Na- yeah, her and Naomi. For the Yeah, like literally time. highlights the only things from that match that people remember or still talk about is Naomi's return and Bianca Bianca's entire showing and so like that brings it back to this year where she's in this big spot and I remember I was not expecting Bianca to win at first um because uh, because yeah because like Alexa it really seemed like they were kind of setting that up for Alexa and I remember saying at the Smackdown or yeah, Rhea, or maybe even Bailey. Like I think it, those were like my top three people that I was thinking that would take it. And um, I remember the SmackDown before the go away. They had Rhea, they had Bianca versus Bailey, and I said if Bianca beats Bailey clean tonight, she's winning the Rumble on Sunday. And she beat Bailey clean, and then like it came down to Bianca and Rhea and I was so freaking nervous because <laughs> they always have Rhea beat Bianca for some reason and Bianca ended up winning oh another thing before I move on from before we move on from this um my wrestling coach uh brought this up the night after when we had training um and he we were talking about it and he said that he really liked the ending of the Royal Rumble because he felt like it was really setting a precedent or like a setting up for a new era of WWE where Bianca and Rhea were representative of like the future and setting up like the who's coming um, and mm-hmm. by them eliminating Charlotte together. So it was like Charlotte and then it was them two and kind of her realizing I'm on my own against these two uh, newcomers um, especially two two new- newcomers that she kind of like put a boot in front of last year. She took Rhea's title and she was the one that eliminated Bianca from the Rumble last year and she beat Bianca as well um, when Bianca was really hot. And so it was like a moment of like setting up for the future and I feel like we're reflecting on WWE this whole year or just wrestling this whole year. Personally, I'm of the belief that WWE has done a good job of following through on that, especially now following the draft. We've seen a lot more of them trying to give that spot or give that uh, opportunity to the up and comers, the new people who are coming up from NXT and all that. Like Rhea was champion, Bianca was champion, even like Damian Priest, he came from NXT and he's been doing his thing. I mean, um, even, even though if we he's wanna... not necessarily like super young. I mean, even if well, you don't have to be young to be new. Um, 
Right. But even outside of just, like, people from NXT, it's people who haven't really been in those places before. Like right. Big e. Like, even now, like, Liv Morgan, Big E, Liv Morgan is facing off against Becky Lynch right now. Um, and that's something that people have been asking for, for forever. Um, Xavier Woods winning King of the Ring. Like, yeah. even though, like, you're, we're still seeing people like Sasha, Bianca, Charlotte. I mean, Sasha, Becky, Charlotte, Roman, who are, like, in their spots. They are elevating these other people mm-hmm. by bringing them up and giving them the chance to be in that spotlight with them and share that, share the ring with those people. And I think that WWE has done a very good job of doing that on a broad basis, even like looking at what NXT has become. Like NXT 2.0 is all about that. We're having the NXT 2.0 versus the NXT OGs for war games, you know. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because, uh, I mean, if we're talking about a year in review, I think it is, you know, pertinent to talk about the changes that, and you know, again, I, I'm only doing WWE because it's mostly what I watch. Um, but it feels like WWE actually has made a vested effort into making those changes and they are exemplarily making those changes in NXT where they're having this whole NXT 2.0. And I mean, we, you know, we had a whole episode talking about, you know, why people need to stop bitching about 2.0, but, but, uh, it's, it's nice to see because everyone always talks about how WWE keeps doing the same old thing. And I don't actually think that's accurate. I think they actually have been, especially as of the past, like, two years, been trying to innovate and trying to change. It's just that nobody wants to actually, you know, pay attention to that. Because that doesn't fit their narrative. And (laughs) if something doesn't fit your narrative, you obviously can't talk about it or you have to find a way to spin it so that it does fit your narrative. Because everyone is a liar and a hypocrite. (laughs) Sorry, uh, dear listeners. Twitter has made me so mad today that I'm just grumpy. <laughs> so, what do you got? What what's um, what's next on your on your list? <laughs> I'm trying to decide if I should do all my Bianca ones in a row right now. Or <laughs> so you know, everyone I'm, essentially. I'm doing matches. Naya is just talking about Bianca. <laughs> I'm going to talk about Bianca Belair, and you guys are going to listen. Um, but my next Bianca match... <laughs> no, um, Do you have to specify? <laughs> or can we all just safely assume? <laughs> we, uh, I swear, I only have two more that involve Bianca. I swear, the rest of them are Bianca matches. The rest of them are Joshi, and I have one men's match. <laughs> I've, all year, I have enjoyed one men's match. Um, but... Uh, the next one I have is Bianca Belair versus Bailey um, in Hell in a Cell. I like this was. I feel like I'm sorry, I'm mis- tripping over my words. I, for the most part, I've enjoyed all of the women's Hell in a Cells that there's been. This is the first one that hasn't involved Sasha Banks, um, but it was so good and like. I know you're, honey, you're not as big of a fan of Bailey, but, like, I've really, really, like, over the past, like, two or three years, really, really grown to like Bailey a lot. I'm a um, Bailey I think that she is... 
she's really good at what she does i believe like she is she yeah, absolutely. especially when you get her in there with particular people she is uh, a person who can bring you up to her level not that mm-hmm. bianca necessarily needs that but i think um <laughs> i'm scared to say iron sharpens iron again after <laughs> In case you didn't listen to the episode, in case iron. you didn't listen to the episode before this, iron does not actually sharpen iron. That's just a very weird. Uh, there's a very specific explanation for why people think that because there is an iron tool that you can use that will help hone a blade or something made out of iron. But if you actually want to sharpen it, you cannot use that. So I'm just, like, it's just, it's a very weird phrase. It's something that ever since my dad told me about it, it's just gonna, it's gonna stick in my head every time now. But if we want to go with the metaphorical, iron sharpens iron, I think that's fine. Metaphorical. In the metaphorical sense, you know, iron sharpens iron. And I think that's kind of what we saw with Bailey um, (laughs) Bailey and Bianca, where I think Bailey really transitioned (laughs) Bianca into, like, the main roster style of Mm -hmm. things and all that. Um, And this match was just a showing of, like, just quality women's wrestling and what you can do when you let women do cool things, um, like stipulation matches and i think it really really showed too how much like they trusted bianca because they don't just let any all of the girls do stipulation stuff so i think they showed like they really trusted bianca um especially with bailey um and i can't my memory is shit and i would probably have needed to rewatch this match in order to tell you specifically what i enjoyed from it but the only thing i do vividly remember from watching this match the first time was bianca is really good at being believable like her hits everything she does looks so hard and aggressive but without being noticeably stiff yeah without being noticeably stiff which i that's why i don't think like i've never heard that about bianca from anybody i feel like it would have maybe come up by now Mm -hmm. but like she's really good at doing that where she like that forearm i'm sorry bianca's got a nasty forearm whenever she does it i'm like which is crazy because that was lacey evans's finisher for so long and i hated it because i was like it just i don't buy into the fact that Lacey is legitimately knocking these bitches out but when Bianca does it just as a regular move in the match I feel like I feel like that shit looks like a knockout I feel like it looks like she's really taking somebody's head off with that um and that is the only thing I vividly remember feeling during this match but I also do recall it being a very good match um I should probably rewatch that (laughs) I uh you know, I, I do want to clarify, I am a Bailey appreciator. You know, I, I don't know if I'd call myself a fan, but I do, I appreciate her, I appreciate her work, and I, uh, I think she, uh, sorry, I just, I'm sorry, I just, I just scrolled past a recipe for something called dill pickle cream soup, so I'm just oh, gonna be oh. weirded out by eastern europeans for a second um but i am a bit yeah i'm a bailey appreciator she's never gonna be you know my absolute super duper favorite like she is with some people um 
But uh, it's another one of those cases where I absolutely recognize how good she is. And it's, it's, you know, it's just like with Kevin Owens. I'm just like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, I appreciate her, but she's just not my flavor. So I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next obvious pick for match of the year that I think pre if you showed this match to anybody, they would be like, yeah, that was really good. Um, and that's Ilya Druganov. I feel like I pronounced that right. Versus Walter. Um, I'm sure I pronounced yes. that right. Um, <laughs> or should I say good old Walter? Walter. How much accent can I put on that? Walter. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Walter and Ilya just, what is there to say? about that i remember when that happened and i was just sitting there i was like because i had i actually don't think i've ever seen their first match together but i remember sitting down and watching this takeover and being like holy shit because <laughs> i was like there's not really anything else that you can say other than holy shit holy shit holy shit and holy yeah. shit you know what i mean like it just kept on going <laughs> and I mean, everyone knows how good of a wrestler Walter is. I, even though it did take me a while, I actually didn't think he was a good wrestler, or at least an entertaining wrestler, until, like, I thought he was pretty good in the match with Pete Dunne, but it was when I saw his match with, I want to say, Tyler Bate, um, that was like, it took like an hour I was like, oh, this, this is special. This is good. <laughs> and then when I saw him with Ilya, I was like, this man fucks. Like, this is ridiculous. I, like, there's just such an intensity about it, about both of them. And I had never seen Ilya before this. Or no, I had seen him, I had seen him once. And I was like, these are two of the most intense European men in existence. And they just, it was kind of like what you're saying with like Bianca, some of her strikes, they make everything look so believable. Like you think that Ilya is beating the shit out of Walter and you think that Walter is beating the shit mm -hmm. out of Ilya and just the actual the quality of wrestling that's a match that you can go back and watch again and again and again and i think you'll never get tired of it because it's just oh it was ridiculous it was ridiculous and it was also so huge because that was the end of walter's title reign yeah. of his stupidly long title <laughs> like what did it get to like 700 and something days it was insane. Uh, I gotta double check that, but it was a lot. Like, hold I am gonna fact check myself there. No, not Walter White. <laughs> Silly Google. I don't know that television program. It's still always weird to see him be called Big Daddy Walter. <laughs> oh, I called him that all the time. But it's, yeah, 870 870! 870 days! 870 days. <laughs> oh my god. 
god. Do you guys know how absurd that is? Like, that's encroaching on three years. It's encroaching on three years as champion. People are, people are, people talk about, like, oh, how long is Roman Reigns gonna hold the title? He's gonna get to two years at least. I'm like, that bitch is not gonna get to longer than Walter did. Like, I'm sorry. It's just not gonna happen. I do not envision a reality in which Roman Reigns holds that title he would have to hold it until he retired and that would be stupid because jay uso should be him at wrestlemania 38 in the main event main event jay uso it's gonna happen but like Walter had such but his title reign was believable that's another thing long title reigns i go back and forth on them they have to really work and Walter and brock lesnar are the two long long title reigns that we've had in the past like 20 years that has made sense because it's like, oh, and Asuka. <laughs> and Asuka. It's believable that everyone loses to Asuka. Um, but Asuka, Walter, Brock Lesnar, those are the three that have happened in the past, like, 20 years that has felt like genuinely this makes sense. Because they make it so believable that they can't be beat. And that's why it's such a big deal when someone does beat them. And... That's, I mean, it just, it was such a huge moment for Ilya, who I know has done, has gone on to do really great stuff back over in the UK. Um, I do think it's a little funky that they managed to get that match for an NXT US takeover. They were like, ah, they, they'll be fine over in Britain. They well, don't really see, need this match. They were, yeah, like they were originally going to do it on NXT UK and then I they did a kayfabe Walter injury yeah, or something was, like that. Yeah, they had him like pretend to hurt put it his off. wrist. Yeah, so that which I get why so that they could actually have it in front of an audience. Yeah. Um which that match absolutely deserved to be. That is, this is another match. I didn't put it on my list because I knew Honey had it on his, so I knew we were going to talk about it anyways, but like this is also in my opinion a match of the year contender because I love I love Walter and I love Ilya and I've I've been in on and off again uh, regular watcher of NXT UK. Um, <laughs> I think and that so, means you're not a regular seen... watcher. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do this thing on and off again regularly. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like I go through periods of watching it regularly. Like for, I actually watched it regularly for most of the year. I only recently stopped watching it regularly, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that Walter isn't on there. Like Walter and Kaylee Ray are both gone, but I do like keep up with it. Because Walter I mean... <laughs> disappeared into the void. Where the f- he? Well, we know what he's for... doing. Speaking of that, speaking <laughs> of that, no. I need to yell for a second. Speaking <laughs> of that, BT Sport, I have a bone to pick with you. Oh, Lord. You people said, you people said you tweeted it, so that means it's true. You said that you recorded the match between Walter and Cesaro. Where is it? It has been weeks. It oh, I thought you weeks. were going to talk about his new girlfriend. Seen? I was like, what did BT Sport do? Oh, about- I don't care about that. No. <laughs> I know, I don't care about that. That's what I, I was saying when I was like, we know what he's been doing. Talk. That's why I said it like that. <laughs> oh, good lord. <laughs> oh, but seriously, that, release the tapes. At two, he's been doing me, apparently. 
<laughs> I want to see it. I know it slapped. That's probably a match of the year contender too. But one fucking no because they haven't posted it yet. So they're never. Gonna. That's my friend. <laughs> We're just gonna. They are. They better. They're just gonna. I will not. I listen. I will not forget about that. I will show up to my first day at WWE. My first day. I will walk up to Vince McMahon and ask him where that match is. I want to see it so bad. <laughs> They've got in that fucking but... <laughs> at the end of the Temple of Doom when they lock up the <laughs> fucking. It. No, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. At the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark when they lock up the Ark of the Covenant. That's where the tape of that match is. I don't have to. I don't care if I have to beat Jumanji. I don't care what I have to do to get this match. I want I want the match. I feel like they you can't you can't knowingly record a match like that and then not share it with people. That's selfish and mean and malicious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's your next Bianca just... Belair match that you want to talk about? Because we know <laughs> it's gonna be one. I yes, but before I get to that, I do want to still say what the Walter Ely match like I I don't recall screaming as much during a match as I did during that one. I just enjoyed it from beginning to end. I love both those men so much. It was um, worthy. And that was an insane match. Like, I literally was screaming since the bell rang. Um, but yes, my next my next and last Bianca Belair match <laughs> is the match from Crown Jewel, which I don't feel like I want to go into that much detail about because we did the review of Crown Jewel and I talked then about everything that I loved about this mm-hmm. match. I just love the pacing of it, the spots. Um, if you don't know, it was Bianca versus Sasha versus, I don't want to say versus Becky Lynch, and Becky Lynch just also happened to be there. Um, <laughs> it was mostly just Bianca versus Sasha, and Becky Lynch was there too. Um, but it was a really, really good match in my opinion, and I really enjoyed like pretty much almost all of it. Um, so much so that I didn't even really get mad about the ending because I enjoyed so much of the rest of the match. Um, and just all the insane spots that I just know Sasha and TJ came up with somehow. Um, still just would love to have a sit down conversation about what exactly, how exactly Sasha came up with some of these spots or whoever did because they were just so mind blowing to me. Um, but yeah, that's my that's my last Bianca Belair match, Crown Jewel Triple Threat. Well, I'm sure this next one that I have to say will get some comments from you. Um, and this can actually, this applies to two matches, because I think that it deserves praise whether it was in the ring or in the cage. Um, Jey Uso versus Daniel Bryan, which I believe happened twice this year. And, uh, Hmm. it, his matches with Daniel Bryan, like I said, if y'all don't already know, I am currently, uh, making sure that this reality is the one that contains Jey Uso beating Roman Reigns in the main event at WrestleMania 38. So what happens, what's happening, guys, is me, we're trying to out-manifest each other. No, 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 (laughs) no, no, we're not even speaking of that. We are not speaking of the devil. The <laughs> oh, devil is not on oh, this episode. <laughs> I will find a way to bring it up. <laughs> no, you will not. You said you only had one's mi- one men's match, and I doubt it involves him. So, it... No. 
I can add one of his. I no. have something else. We have already decided on the matches. <laughs> <laughs> I have something else because I planned on speaking on. It was it's already on the paper. Anyway, because Jey Uso is going to main event WrestleMania 38 and beat Roman Reigns for the Universal title because his matches with Daniel Bryan, which were first off genuinely excellent. This whole year has been about like from mid 2020 to like most of 2021. It's been about proving how phenomenal a wrestler in all aspects of wrestling that Jey Uso is. He has absolutely blown me away from match to match to match with his storytelling, with his selling, with Mm -hmm. his ring IQ, and with his Mm -hmm. actual athletic ability and in-ring performance. Mm -hmm. And putting him against... It was similar to what they did with Buddy Murphy versus Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. They took someone who people knew was good, but people did not know if they could hang with the greatest. And I think that Jey Uso has proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that he can hang with the greatest, which is why he's going to beat Roman Reigns in the main event of WrestleMania 38. And obviously Daniel Bryan, I mean, if you asked mo I think a large amount of people, a high percentage of them would say Daniel Bryan is the best wrestler of this era. You can disagree with that or agree with that as you will. But you can't deny that he, when in WWE, he was, like, the standard bearer of, like, if you could keep up with Daniel Bryan, there was something to you. And Jey Uso kept up with him more than once. And that was what really, truly propelled him to the nickname Main Event Jey Uso. And, which, again... If that's not foreshadowing for him main eventing WrestleMania 38 against Roman Reigns and beating him for the Universal title, then all of this has been for naught, and that asteroid might as well hit the planet. And it just... It just... No, I will put people's heads on pikes over this. Um, It just really, truly, to me, proved that he's on a a level that none of us thought he was on. Because I think for a long time there was... Because, you know, in tag teams, there's always a narrative of one person is the breakout star. And I think for Mm -hmm. the longest time, maybe this is just my perception, but I think for the longest time people thought Jimmy Uso was the breakout star out of the two of them. Yeah. And... Yeah, I think that's pretty... Yeah. Well, I think that this run where Jimmy was injured proved that... Number one, there didn't necessarily have to be a breakout star between them, but it showed that Jey Uso could hang with people like Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. And Drew McIntyre, he had a phenomenal match with Drew McIntyre on SmackDown. And it just showed that you could put him in these main event caliber matches and it, it would not be an issue for him. And obviously, yes, just to clarify, no, I will not be putting people's heads on pikes over this. The asteroid should not hit the planet, all that. (laughs) I'm just very passionate about Jey Uso main eventing this 
WrestleMania because it is the right thing to do and God will be mad if it doesn't happen. <laughs> um, I'm also very passionate about Jay Uso in general. I'm literally wearing his shirt right now. Um, and yet, look who's advocating. I, mm, you know, okay, so first of all, I just want to put it out there as the number one Jay Uso stand. Just because I Are you sure? Because I'm sounding like the number one Jay Uso stand right now. <laughs> I'm just, no, listen. So. I just want to put it out there that I am not against Jay beating Roman for the title. In fact, I have been saying pretty much since day one, no pun intended, that if anybody should circle back to beating Roman, it should be Jay because for a multitude of reasons, we don't really need to get into all of them right now. But like, long story short, he should be the one to beat Roman and I stand in that. I just feel like it can happen at any time. It doesn't need to happen at WrestleMania. And I also feel like this storyline with Seth is very important and will be very important to Roman's overall story arc as a character. And him beating Seth. <laughs> That's why he should win the Royal We talked about this. This is why he should win the Royal Rumble. Because that's the only way to get him in eligibility to Counterpoint. No, 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 no. Counterpoint. He could win money in the bank. And then he could fail but to cash no, in no, on no, Roman. No, no, no. 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 You're, Listen, no. here's why that can't be it. Here's why that can't be it. Because Our urine review has really deteriorated, guys. <laughs> 2021! <laughs> This is because this is no, this is what my entire year as a wrestling fan has been about. I have been on this campaign since last year, actually. Since this time last year, I have been on this soapbox about Seth and Roman facing each other in general. But the reason why it needs to happen at WrestleMania specifically is for several reasons, okay? Um, first and foremost, that is the last accomplishment that's that is the last accomplishment uh. that Seth has wanted. <laughs> he's already won money in the bank. He doesn't need that again. He's he He didn't even need to be the sole survivor in Survivor series. He has tons and of things doesn't he doesn't matter. need. That doesn't matter. But what he does on. need is to main event WrestleMania because that's the last thing that he wants to do. It's the well, only the thing that got taken away from him. The WWE champion is no, no. It okay, needs to be against Roman. Let, no, 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 no. Let me say my counterpoint. Moment. Let me say I have one <laughs> counterpoint. It's just one. It's just one. Okay. I'll, I'll say my one counterpoint, and then you can continue. Okay. 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 Pinky swear. <laughs> so my counterpoint to this I do agree that at one point we do need a pay-per-view main event between Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins I do not disagree like at all I do 100% believe that that does need to happen it does need to end in a victorious Roman Reigns I don't think it needs to be Wrestlemania I think that Seth can main event Wrestlemania against anyone and it would complete that accolade and the reason apart from the fact that they set it up as main event Jey Uso can you agree that main eventing Wrestlemania is as a as an older veteran wrestler recently said the greatest or one of the greatest compliments you can get in WWE 
Yeah. Okay. So, considering the breakout year that Jey Uso has had, the complex, beautiful story arc that he has gone through, and hopefully will continue to go through, does it not seem right for that to culminate in a WrestleMania main event, which will also culminate as the crowning moment of Jey Uso really being solidified as a main event player. Like, do you see, like, my thought on that? And that I, I think... Your... Because, I again... See... Sorry, I, go ahead. I do think <laughs> Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns need to have their big final blow-off match. I completely agree. I do think Seth needs to main event WrestleMania at one point. I do think that it can be against someone who is not Roman. I just think that given that main eventing WrestleMania is such a big deal that and like I said with the story that they have told with Jay it makes sense to then give him that compliment of them main eventing WrestleMania and closing that story. I do think it's unfortunate that we almost can't have both. Because I think... See, I think we can have both. I just feel like... That's why I feel like the Seth one needs to happen first. Because there, I feel like there's this sweet spot in terms of Roman's character in, like, the, like I said, the overall like chronological arc of everything. And I think that him beating Seth is an important notch in his belt, especially given his character's history and his character's history with Seth. Even in, like, comparing how he interacts with Seth versus how he interacts with Jay. Like, earlier this year, we saw Seth Rollins is the only person to scream at this version of Roman Reigns and not get the piss beat out of him. You know, like, that clearly means something. Well, yeah, because he Um, loves him more than he loves other people. (laughs) Exactly. But I feel like I feel like that's why this match needs to happen first. And it to me, Seth and Roman have too much chemistry for this pay-per-view to, for this match to not to happen on anything but one of the big four pay-per-views, meaning really meeting WrestleMania SummerSlam or Royal Rumble. It's obviously not going to happen at Royal Rumble because they are on different brands. Um, I feel like the reason why I feel like it should main event this WrestleMania in particular, a couple reasons. One, WrestleMania 32 Dallas is where they were supposed to remain against each other, but Seth was injured. Um, so that didn't Which happen. Which I disagree with that booking um, as well. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, and then, so the match where they were, the place, same building where they were supposed to main event against each other years ago, them getting to finally have that moment in that building. To Wait, Seth, like quick. I said. Sorry, just real quick. In- in the main event of WrestleMania 32, was Roman the incumbent champion, or did he win that? He won the title, right? He won the title from okay, Triple H. Okay, yeah, sorry. I was... Triple H, like... Yeah, because yeah, I was... Triple H, like, screwed him. I got my, my timeline really, really just wonky right there. I was like, did he come in as the champ? Because that doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah, no. So he won the title from Triple H there. And mm-hmm. so then, like, another reason why, like I said, this is like Seth's, like, last big accomplishment. And Seth and Roman are both probably on their last contracts right now. Um, you know, 
So I think that if you wait too long, you're just moving more and more in the direction of this being a greatest thing to never happen kind of thing. And I just think that that would be such a missed opportunity because both of them have such interesting characters right now. Um, and I feel like the reason why I don't think that Jay should win at WrestleMania because that's so soon and then that would happen before the Seth match. I feel like the Seth match needs to happen first and Jay needs to be the end of the Tribal Chief. You know what I mean? Like, So Seth has to face the Tribal Chief first. That match has to happen first. And that's why I also feel like the same thing about the main event, I feel like it could be, obviously WrestleMania is the show of shows, but SummerSlam is definitely the next big thing. And I think main eventing SummerSlam, beating Roman for the title and all that could still mean all those things for Jay See, I just... in terms of like, you know, everything that would become of that. Um, yeah. Two points. And like Kim, all because the apparently stuff you said this is what this episode like, is about now. <laughs> <laughs> Two points. First, given everything you just said, can you make the concession that Seth Rollins should not win the Rumble and should find another way to come back to SmackDown to face Roman? Because if it is about I, him, because I, if the if the argument against him winning money in the bank is that he doesn't need it, then can we not argue that he also doesn't need the rumble win and they can't just find a way to get him back on smackdown i mean sure and like if i'm booking this if i'm running wwe then what i would have him do is just walk on smackdown and challenge roman because he's seth and he should be able to do that in my opinion but just in terms of thinking realistically that's the only reason why i say win the rumble because the Rumble does two things. One, it gets him to be able to navigate between brands. And two, it guarantees that it is a main event match. Um, which, again, the big picture here is Seth needs to win. Like, he wants that WrestleMania main event. Um, so that's the only reason why I say win the Rumble. But like I said, if I was booking the show and it was up to me to do this, then he doesn't need to do any of that. He needs, needs to go call out Roman and Roman respond. But can't... And then, boom, you have your match. But second... Because this is about how big and important and how huge of an accolade main eventing WrestleMania is. Doesn't it also seem unfair to Jay if he doesn't get that spot after this breakout year of his? Have a main event next year. But Roman that doesn't matter. But, that's, but it's not because, I mean, like, if he wins the title at SummerSlam. That, I mean, it obviously will still mean something, but you can't honestly say that a main event match at SummerSlam, even where you beat Roman Reigns, that won't feel as big as WrestleMania. So then he could just hold, then Roman just hold the title until next year's WrestleMania, and then Jay beat him there. But that doesn't make any sense either. Hell, have Jay win, have him win the Royal Rumble next year. But that doesn't make any sense. Because we're having this day one pay-per-view where they're presenting the perfect opportunity for Jey Uso to turn on Roman Reigns. I mean, it's called day one. It, like, there's no other good reason for that. Well, it's the first day of the year. It's January 1st. That's probably why it's called that. I don't think it actually has anything to do with Jay. I think it's saying. more coincidental than anything. Listen, we're well, yeah, not going like, to I mean... with this conversation. <laughs> next match! Next match! Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus in a 
I don't remember if it was a street fight or a no disqualification fight, but it happened on Raw in, like, the middle of the year. And it was just one of those moments where they took these two dudes who were, like, big, beefy men who just fought, and they were like, we need you guys to just go out there and fight. And it was one of those instances where they actually took people who have had a little bit back and forth booking, we can call it, because I do agree that both Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, this is a criticism I've seen lobbied at them a lot, is that a lot of their booking has been kind of iffy, especially over the past two years, which is understandable. Sheamus often finds himself in like a weird place where like they want him to be a big deal and a big champion, but they also kind of just want him to put over younger people. We saw that in the whole thing with Sheamus. A lot of his uni- you blah, not universal title United States title run was him kind of putting people over but not quite because they still wanted him to be like in a top dog they they try to keep Seamus in like this very specific place that they keep a couple of people in where they're like you know you are good enough and established enough that we can put you in the main event if we need you but we can also just kind of keep you in the upper mid card. So Seamus usually finds himself there, and that can often lead to some just, again, wacky booking. Drew McIntyre has been booked fairly strong, if a little bafflingly so, a couple of times over the past two years. Ever since he kind of rose to the top, it's we've had some fluctuating moments of quality when it comes to his booking, but overall I'd say it was strong. And it was nice when they were doing this feud because they, these two had a match, one match that was kind of okay, but it wasn't like great. But then they decided to do this street fight, no disqualification match. And it was like, oh, they finally let them just do what they wanted. Like they finally just let them actually just go out there like, it didn't even seem like... It seemed like a lot of it was called pretty quickly, and it wasn't produced as much. And it was just really nice to see just a very strong, raw main event. Because sometimes the weekly shows, their main events do sometimes fall flat, and it's unfortunate. But they didn't actually do that with this one. They were like, no, we're just gonna wrap up this feud here... And that's another thing. I feel like we don't really see enough feuds end on the weekly shows. It seems like everyone thinks the feud has to end in a big payoff, blow-off show at a at a pay-per-view, which I don't really think is true. It was nice to see them just be like, nope, we're pretty much wrapping this up here in this just really, really good match. So I greatly enjoyed that. I think it's one of those underrated, like, maybe not underrated, but, like, it's it's definitely a sleeper match in contention for match of the year. I think a lot of people would at least put that on, like, their top 20. At least, like, sticking to WWE. Um, my next match, <laughs> finally, my first non-Bianca Belair match, is Mako Satomura versus Kaylee Ray. Um, Mako Satomura, in my opinion, is, like, top three in terms of greatest women's wrestlers of all time and so when she signed to NXT UK I was so excited um, because I know she's like the type of person who's pushing those girls to the limit um, to really be as good as possible 
Um, and her and Kaylee Ray. And Kaylee Ray was kind of like carrying the NXT UK women's division for a while. Um, and finally getting those two in the ring together. The first match they had was phenomenal. But that second match they had where Mako ended up beating Kaylee was insane. Um, just two really amazing stiff ass wrestlers getting in the ring together and just tearing the roof off the place in my opinion that is another match that i think should have happened in front of a crowd um hopefully they get to run it back one day in front of a crowd so my next one and this one i you know people might disagree because of one half of the people in it but Karrion Cross and Santos Escobar had what I think was also either a street fight or a no disqualification match. The street fights and no disqualification matches have just been hitting different this year. And this one, I think it was actually pretty close to when NXT started allowing fans back. So it kind of also, I think, was special just because it like was one of their first bigger matches that had fans in attendance after like a year. And that just really helped increase the energy. And there was a kind of frantic energy the entire time. Uh, Karrion Cross, I actually liked as a wrestler. Um, I'm curious to see what he does next now that he's not in WWE anymore. Um, I really enjoyed his time in NXT. Santos Escobar, I just adore. I adored him in Lucha Underground. I think he's great here. Um, he's just <laughs> an excellent, excellent luchador. And the story that they were telling here, I, it was so refreshing because it wasn't, it was a heel versus heel story. Santos was a heel champion. Uh, Killer Cross was a heel champion at the time. And the feud started because Santos had offhandedly insulted Killer Cross in a promo. And so then Killer Cross was like, well, I got to take care of that. And it ended in just this absolute brawl of a match that, like, started in the parking lot. I think Killer Cross might have tried to murder somebody with a pickaxe at one point. And it just devolved into this just break shit in the ring fight. And it was just so entertaining. It was so well done. Because it also didn't... One of the things I actually liked about a lot of Karrion Cross's matches is that he didn't really super duper bury anyone. Like, there were a handful of people. But once he was champion, he actually was having competitive, evenly paced matches. Where, like, just because he was champion and he was supposed to be this big, scary, dominant dude, he didn't necessarily dominate the whole match. Like, I can't think of that many opponents that he had that came out of it looking bad and that was absolutely the case for Santos here which was important because he was still the champion he was the cruiserweight champion at the time um and he just out like killed it <laughs> it was it was also one of the first times I'm pretty sure that Santos got to really like kind of show out and be like this is a pretty big deal match against the NXT champion at the time so it was it was nice for him to get that moment of, you know, look what I can do. Look, you know, I can absolutely keep up with Killer Cross. And it was also another, it was another one where it's, it was a cruiserweight versus Killer Cross, who is not a cruiserweight. 
and they uh they just i i really like when they properly book matches between people who are in different weight classes let's say and they definitely did that here um it also had some fun moments with you know scarlet on the outside and uh uh the two chuckle fucks that are with santos i say that lovingly uh oh god what are their names joaquin and raul that's them joaquin wilde and raul mendoza who i enjoy as a tag team actually just random shout out to those two i feel like they've been doing really good as a tag team and yeah i just again the notice qualification slash street fight matches have just been wild as hell this year and it's been really nice to see so that's absolutely up there on my list like genuinely when i think of like matches on nxt in particular that i could go back and watch that's 100 percent up there i love that match Um, my next match is uh, Tam Nakano versus Julia, their hair versus hair match. Um, I love their whole rivalry against one another because Tam and Julia are both two of my favorites in um, stardom right now. And um, I'm a big Cosmic Angels fan. And I'm also a big DDM fan. So I just love both those factions so much. And I feel like both of them have been really um, defining groups in 2021 in stardom. Just like there have been so many standout moments between like Poe and Siri and Tam and Mina. Just like even Inagi, like everybody has like stood out in their own way this year. But I really, really enjoyed this match between Tam and Julia. Um, I'm not going to lie. Um, I didn't necessarily expect for Tam to lose, but I was also very shocked that Tam won as well. It was kind of a weird thing because I just couldn't imagine Julia without her hair. But also Julia losing her hair ended up being like one of the best things to happen this year because I feel like she really took on, you know, a, a new kind of like thing about her after this match and like... The way that she carried herself and just some of the stuff that she did after the match, like after this match, like it's not even just like what this match was, but everything that ensued afterwards is what ended up being really cool about it. Um, you know, um, this has really been a good year for Tam as well. Like she finally won the... Um, She won the Wonder of Stardom Championship from Julia before this, like, in their rivalry. Um, <laughs> the fact that it just ended up being hair versus hair was just so crazy to me. Um, but, yeah, this was one of my favorite matches that happened this year. One of my favorite matches that happened in Stardom um, this year. And if you need an introduction to Joshi or just, like, you need two wrestlers in stardom to start with to get into stardom. I would say start with Julia and or Tam because they're both amazing in kind of like defining of what Joshi is. Yeah, I think that's all I have on that match. To no one's surprise, my next match, 
is also an NXT match, and it's a Tommaso Ciampa match, because it, his work in particular this year, I think, has been underrated, because it's been taking place largely in the tag team division, in that aforementioned tag team with Timothy Thatcher, who I hope to see back soon, uh, but he had a match versus Valter that a lot of people also consider a match of the year contender, um, as they damn well should. And it was just so unbelievably good. I love the way Tommaso wrestles. I love the way Walter wrestles. And those two styles together, and again, the level of intensity, one of the things that makes Walter a more watchable wrestler is if his opponent can match his intensity and Tommaso can do that and more. And it was just, cause like, I mean, it was also one of those moments where like, we all knew that Tommaso was going to lose one way or another, whether it ended clean, whether it ended with interference or anything like that. We all knew he was going to lose. We knew there was no way he was winning the NXT UK title. And it, I thought it was nice that Tommaso, because what led to this was, um, for unknown reasons, outside of kayfabe, Timothy Thatcher and Alexander Wolf had to miss a mysterious two weeks of, of work. Um, I can only imagine what it was. And, uh, so they started telling the story of... Well, Tommaso thinks that Imperium attacked Tim, so he attacked Wolf, and that's kind of how they ended up where they were. And then Walter came in when uh, the other two Imperium boys were attacking Tommaso and uh, joined in on beating up on him. And he actually, like, um, Tommaso, for those of y'all who don't pay attention, uh, wears a necklace all the time. His mother gave it to him, uh, I want to say, when his daughter was born. Um, and he wears it all the time. And he... And Walter ripped the necklace off. It was a very big, like, you know, big gasp moment. Um, and it just... It, it turned from being a feud for the title into being a feud where the title was of little consequence. Like, it was definitely still something that Tommaso was like, you know, yeah, I want that because he wants titles. Um, he wants gold. Now he has Goldie, thank God. Um, but it was also like, he's doing it because Walter has insulted his family, he's hurt Tim, and by this point, you know, the Tim... Tommaso train was rolling all over bitches and it just it was nice that it wasn't it it was almost like the title I would maybe never say this about any other feud but it was kind of nice that the title was kind of a second thought and it wasn't really like the big present thing like you could tell that it was more about Walter has hurt people that Tommaso cares about and has insulted people that Tommaso cares about. And so it became more about that. And again, we all knew that he wasn't going to win. Because why in the world would this dude who lives in Florida win the UK title? But it didn't really change the fact that the match ended up being 
ridiculously phenomenal. Like, if you, like, just go and watch it. If I'm going to actually recommend that you go watch any match that I've listed, it's this one. Because it's, the storytelling is unbelievable. And there's just such a special thing about Tommaso Ciampa's title matches, whether he's challenging or defending, that puts them on another level. And I know not everyone's going to agree with that. I know he's not everyone's style of wrestler. Um, but he's definitely mine. And that's why he's on this list more than once. Um, my last... No, not my last match. My next match is actually a match I put on here, not just for quality reasons, because obviously it was an amazing match, but also more for emotional reasons. It was Asuka, Mio, Mio Manomo. I just fucked that all the way up. Sorry. Asuka, Asuka, not WWE Asuka, but Vini Asuka. Mio Momono, Natsupoi, and Siri versus Death, Hazuki, Kagetsu, and Konami. And this was like an eight-person tag match on Hana Kimura's tribute show. Um, this match was a big deal, first of all, because Kagetsu came out of retirement and reunited with Hazuki. With Hazuki and um, that was like an insane thing to witness. Um, and I ended up being so happy that I watched the show because I almost didn't for emotional reasons. Um, and the fact that Kagetsu came out of retirement for this match. And then after this match, had a quick one-on-one against um, Asuka. This match was just insane. Like, it was just insane that everything happened. They were all in the ring together. Um, And it was just so good. And uh, it was a very emotional night in just the fact that all of it happened at all just was wild to me. And I feel like I'd be remiss if I don't reflect on that and be like, hey, remember when Kagetsu came out of retirement for a second and faced uh, <laughs> faced Asuka and all this crazy shit? Just, it was so, it was so good. Um, and like I said, I, if you don't go and watch any match from this year, if you haven't seen it or revisited, or if you don't know Joshi, uh, if you can find that match somewhere, 100% go watch it. The eight woman and the match after it because it was just phenomenal wrestling from eight amazing wrestlers. Um, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> Again, this is one people might disagree with just because of one of the people involved. But... I actually really, really enjoyed Io Shirai versus Raquel Gonzalez, where Raquel won the title. I want to say that happened this year. I mostly am sure. Um, I actually enjoyed Raquel's title reign with the NXT Women's title. Uh, a pretty great deal. Um, I thought she should. I mean, it was interesting when they decided to put her as a face don't know if I love that sometimes it feels like in the past it feels like NXT has backed off of having heels as their women's champion 
Um, which I, is nice to see it on Mandy Rose now, who cannot play a face. Um, but uh, it was just... It wasn't, you know, I'm not going to say it was the best match of the year. But I think it needs a shout out because I don't think a lot of people appreciated it as much as it deserved. Um, it was just... I mean, it was it was another good example of them knowing how to book a big man, little man match. Excuse me. And NXT, again, like, just consistently has done great with size differences in matches. And Raquel was 100% the powerhouse. EO was doing her high-flying, super athletic, hard-hitting shit. It was just a perfect matchup. I would hope that we get to see those two face off again at one point, just because I think they have really good chemistry. And this is another just example of them having really good chemistry. I think that um, Raquel has grown a great deal as a performer over the past year or so. I think them pushing her to the top was a good idea. Um, I think that uh, she... uh, and even more so her story with Dakota it's just been a hit all the way through I thought that Raquel's build to being the champion was one of the best executed builds we've seen in a long time um it obviously wasn't you know to the scale or effect of like Bianca's main roster build but it was still definitely better than we've seen them do with a lot of people um and Io, you really can't go wrong with Io Shirai. She's just excellent in pretty much every way possible. She's enjoyable to... I mean, she can be a heel. She can be a face. I've long said that when she turned heel, that was everything Becky Lynch wanted to be when she turned heel. Um, but she just wasn't cool enough to pull it off. Io Shirai is beyond cool enough to pull it off. And... uh so I'm always enjoying whatever Io Shirai is deciding to do. Um, that being said, I would enjoy it if she maybe decided to come to the main roster and uh, just hung out there for a little while. That would be cool if she wanted to do that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Io too. Um, and I feel like Io is one of those people like you gotta you gotta be trying to have a bad match with Io to have a bad match with her. Um, my last match I have is the only men's match that I listed, but it is not the only men's match that I've enjoyed this year. This is just one of the main ones that stuck out that I remember really, really enjoying. And that is Cesaro versus Roman Reigns. Um, Roman Reigns has faced a lot of very interesting challengers this year, everybody from Edge to... Brock Lesnar to John Cena to Cesaro and I think that one of the really interesting things about watching Roman Reigns wrestle is his ability to adapt his ring style against his opponents Um, and given that Cesaro is such a dynamic wrestler that he can be a powerhouse because he's so freaking strong 
um, and fast and all that. I kind of expected this to be one of those matches. I really expected this to be like a Cesaro showing his feet of strength, but can't just can't barely pull it out kind of things. Um, but this match ended up having a really, really interesting dynamic with Roman kind of like reaching into his technical bag a little bit, which I always think is very fun because I like technical wrestling a lot. Um, and I just felt like they went in the complete opposite direction that we would have maybe expected them to go in terms of producing this match. And it just ended up being really, really fun to watch. Um, there was a couple of times where, like, I think Roman was in submissions and he just found really interesting ways of getting out of them. Um, and the same thing with Cesaro. Like, I just thought it was, like, it almost kind of, like, felt like, for me, a little bit watching, like, I was watching an MMA match a little bit. Just, it kind of felt like we were watching two wrestlers genuinely trying to, like, outsmart each other which is interesting that this ended up being one of my favorite matches that Roman had this year because it ended up being one of my least favorite feuds that Roman has had so far the only reason being that I don't like the way that Cesaro came out of it looking um which I don't necessarily think is fully Cesaro's fault but like you know that's kind of a conversation for another day kind of thing but um yeah like this i think of like the matches just the plain matches themselves this was my favorite one of romans this year um just because it was just everything that i like in a wrestling match i think my last match is uh actually like two matches um because i was trying to decide i was like what forget about what I think is the best match and what I think is the most significant match and what I think is the most well-executed, well-booked, well-produced, whatever match. And I was like, what made me happy in 2021? Like, what what wrestling did I watch that I was really just, one way or another, regardless of anything else surrounding it, what made me happy? And... Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic made me happy. And they had three matches in the Tag Team Classic. They started on 205 Live uh, facing Arya Daivari and Tony Nese, which was a pretty good match. I actually, um, it was short, but I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it less for the wrestling and more for the storytelling. Because at the end of the match... Tommaso and Tim just stare each other down, like, all the way to the back. And their tag team was so good because there was, again, such an intensity about them. But they also kind of just felt like two dudes who knew what they were doing. And, you know, obviously we got to the point of, you know, Toothless Timmy and Old Man Chompa that, again, just, I have a smile on my face just thinking about it. And then their next match in the Tag Team Classic was against the Undisputed Era. And I was 100% sure. I was like, there's no way. There's no way they're going to let them beat the Undisputed Era. You know, like, the tag team in NXT. Or the faction in NXT that just happened to have tag teams in it. Um, 
And I firmly believe if it had been Kyle O'Reilly and uh, Bobby Fish, I don't think they would have won. But it was Adam Cole and Bobby Fish, and I was like, oh, well, yeah, I guess it makes sense that they would have won. So they beat Undisputed Era in a really, really, really good tag team match. Uh, on, I forgot, you'd have to look it up to see which episode of NXT it was on. Um, it was the first televised round of the Tag Team Classic this year. Um, and it, (laughs) it was so good. I mean, like, you have Adam Cole in the ring, and it's gonna be good. But then you have Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher in the ring, and it's gonna be excellent. And their final match in the Tag Team Classic, and I think they actually went and had, like, one or two more matches with the Grizzled Young Veterans, but they had, uh, the match that they lost in the Tag Team Classic was GYV. And I was a little bummed out when they lost. I was like, that's silly. I don't know if I would have done that, but it was, it ended up being fine for them anyway. Um... And it's just, again, just, I really, truly enjoyed everything that they did with Gristle and Young Veterans at all, whether it was in the Tag Team Classic or beyond it. Um, but the Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa tag team just meant a whole lot to me. And I'm sad about some of the memories that are now attached to it. But hasn't that just kind of been the story of 2020 and 2021? You have things that you like and make you happy, but one way or another, there's a negative memory attached to it. And so that's kind of the situation with those. But they did make me happy. And (laughs) I just, you know, taking it back to the very first episode, I really, 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 really am a big fan of Tim Thatcher. And any wrestling that he does makes me happy. And so when I think about my year in review, I have to stop thinking about what I think was the best match and what was the matches that I enjoyed the most personally. And for me, it was these. It was their whole run as a tag team. And I don't honestly think we're ever going to see them be a tag team again. If we do, it's going to end in a quick betrayal. And I've made peace with that. But I got my couple of months where they were doing stupid backstage promos in a dark room where they throw chairs around or Tim was speaking bad Spanish at Legado del Fantasma. And, you know, I got what I needed out of wrestling this year, one way or another. I got good matches, and then I got matches that made me happy. So... Of all of the years in wrestling that there have been, this one was far from the worst. That just, I'm sorry, you just said a lot of things, but all I could think about was the Undisputed Era breakup was this year, and I did not think about that until now. (laughs) I don't know why. This year's been so incredibly and insanely long but also so fast at the same time that so much has happened that it's kind of hard to keep up with like that the undisputed era broke up Kyle 
you know, did so much amazing stuff as a singles competitor, feuded with Adam Cole. Um, a lot of really cool things became of that, and it just kind of hit me that all of that was this year um, kind of insane. And then Adam Cole um, disappeared into the woods. And then Adam Cole, just, Adam Cole just randomly, like, he beat Kyle that one time, that last time, and then just never heard from him again. It's crazy. Um, I don't know what else that you had planned to talk about. Okay, I was going to say, I do have, like, some other stuff that I wanted to point out that weren't matches. But um, I already talked about how Bianca Belair absolutely owned wrestling this year, so I guess I will bypass that. I kind of want to reiterate that for Roman Reigns as well. Like, since his last, um, since he came back last year, he's been absolutely killing it. But I also feel like he's really defined this year of wrestling as well. Um, in stardom, I really want to shout out Mina Shirakawa because I feel like she's improved so much since coming from, where was she before? I believe she was in Ice Ribbon. I might be wrong about that. Wherever she came from before stardom, um she's improved so much since coming to stardom and she's really like put herself on another level and she's so good and i love her um trisha dora i've talked about trisha dora before the podcast but like if you are into indie wrestling american indie wrestling you know somebody who's very on the rise she is like that woman like to me she's like in terms of like the quality of work she's been putting out she's like the sasha the Bianca, if you're into AEW, the Brit, I feel like she's that of the independent circuit right now because she is really just like owning any and everything. She's everywhere and she's just doing such amazing work. If you're not into her, you need to get into her because she's the next big thing. Um, some other moments this year I really enjoyed was John Cena's return. Um, John Cena is just a feel-good person to have around. It was really cool getting to see him in person when they came to do the live shows. Um, and just his return in general, the fact that it happened was also really cool. Um, however you feel about the feud between him and Roman, I know some people weren't necessarily satisfied with, um, but the just the feeling of it all was really cool. Brock's return, which is also really fun. Hopefully he comes back this Friday. Um, and then also we didn't talk about Big E, but like Big E has also really been another big person of this year. Um, he's accomplished so much. He won Money in the Bank, which was such a really, really cool moment. And then he won the WWE Championship and he's been killing it. Like, I don't even feel like he's been WWE Champion that long, but all the things that he's done in wrestling and like outside of wrestling, just representing WWE as a champion he's just done such a phenomenal job and kind of asked for a better better person to be wwe champion right now um and seth rollins versus edge as if we haven't talked enough about seth rollins on this episode i felt like you can't really talk about this year in wrestling without talking about the trilogy that seth rollins and edge had i feel like it was one of those things because there was a lot of like kind of like like you know brock versus Brock return, John Cena's return, John Cena versus Roman Reigns. A lot of those things were happening at the same time. So, like, in terms of, like, big things that were being talked about, it got overshadowed a lot. But it was kind of sneaking onto the radar in terms of just the quality that they were putting on in segments, 
um, promos and matches. Like the SummerSlam match was amazing. Their match on SmackDown was amazing. And then they capped it all off at Crown Jewel with the Hell in a Cell match. And that was just the perfect, like, cherry on top of what was just such quality work. Um, and I think everyone kind of tapped into it at the last minute and, and, and like, gave it that, uh, what's the word? Like, gave it the credit for being as good as it was. Um, but those are some of my favorite things from this year that we, like, non-match speaking, I guess, that were really good. Just some wrestlers who defined the year for me and moments and standout happenings that occurred. And CM Punk came back. I feel like that's kind of a big deal. It doesn't necessarily hit me how I want it to, but that's a pretty cool thing that happened, too. And that's it. I'm not going to do a match recommendation because the entire episode is a match recommendation. <laughs> yes. I we both just listed like 10 matches. Just because, you know, got to keep up with that. So, Ooh. a song I am trying to learn and have been listening to on repeat because of that. Actually, you know what? I'll give you two. I'll give you two. Just, you know, because it's the year in review. Um, the first one is River of No Return, sung by Marilyn Monroe, um, who is low-key a personal idol of mine. And the second one is, uh, let me pull up the name of it. I, it's a somewhat longer name, so I never remember it exactly. Um. I wish I knew how it would feel to be free by Nina Simone, um, who is just a very, very powerful singer. So if you guys have never checked out Nina Simone, please do. Uh, she's got a couple of different songs with a couple of different vibes, so there's something that you'll find that you like. Um, my song recommendation, um since we're still filming or recording this on the same day as the Spotify rap came out, my recommendation is going to be Share the Sunshine, Young Blood by Ina Rosa. Um, I've been obsessed with that song for like six months now. So, yeah. So thank you everyone for joining us for this year in review. Uh, much like 2020, it has been a difficult year uh i think it will continue to be a difficult year for the next month and beyond into 2022 i think a lot of that is out of any of our control but uh you know take some time to think about what's made you happy this year and what could make you happy next year and don't forget to wear your masks get vaccinated against both COVID-19 and the flu, which you should be getting a flu shot every year. And be safe and be good to each other. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>